0: We're so excited you're here for the third episode of Couple of Criminals. My name is Mariah.
1: And my name is Anton. And we're your average couple reviewing your not so average crimes.
0: If this is your first time listening to us, Anton and I are a married couple who are very, very much average people. And we are here to review crimes that are not so average. This episode is number three of a 50 part series that we are doing where the episodes are based around a crime in each state in the United States in alphabetical order. So today's case will be based on a crime in the good old state of Arizona. Before I jump into this case, Anton is going to give us his amazing weekly joke to lighten the load and obviously make you listeners either laugh or cringe in your seats.
1: All right, here it comes. Mariah, what's the difference between a hippo and a zippo?
0: A hippo and a zippo?
1: Yeah, what's the difference?
0: The letter H and Z.
1: No, one is really heavy and the other one's a little lighter.
0: Oh my god. That's actually a pretty good one. I'm impressed with that one. Yeah. Okay, so today's case takes place in the city where I was born and have vacationed to many times. Well, Anton and I have actually both vacationed here many times. It is Tucson, Arizona. I absolutely love the desert and the cacti and the gorgeous sunsets, but I can't stand the heat that goes beyond 120 degrees every summer.
1: I can agree with that. The cactuses are amazing.
0: Yeah. The last time we vacationed here, it was during the spring and we were visiting family and honestly, we were ready to move there. But then we remembered very quickly how hot it can actually get and then changed our minds very quickly. We love our fall and springtime. Today's case is regarding three victims whose lives were taken too soon during the years 1964 and 1965. The case I will be reviewing is regarding the serial killer known as the Pied Piper of Tucson, or who is formerly known as Charles Schmid, or his nickname was Smitty. I don't want to disrespect Schmitty, my favorite character from New Girl, by using his nickname, so I will refer to him as Charles throughout the case.
1: Dang.
0: I want to provide a quick precautionary warning to you listeners that this case does involve minors and some sexual assault allegations as well. This case begins on May 31st, 1964 in the dry and beautiful Tucson, Arizona. 15-year-old Aileen Rowe is at home, hanging out with her mom, watching the Beatles and dancing, and instead of staying up late tonight, she heads to bed early because she, in fact, has an early morning with school. Her mom checked in on her before heading to work as a night nurse at the local hospital, and all seemed to be well. Later that night, after her mom leaves for work, her friend, 19-year-old Mary French, is knocking on Aileen's window, trying to convince her to go out with not only her...
1: Wait, she's 15, right? Yes, she's
0: 15. Wow, okay. But, um... Mary French, Aileen's friend, is trying to convince her to go out with her and a couple of friends. John Saunders, who is 19 years old as well, and then Charles Schmid, who was 20 years old. 21, excuse me. After some convincing, Aileen agreed to go hang out with them for a little bit, although she was really hesitant since she has school in the morning and she's very studious. The four get into the vehicle and drive off into the desert night with Charles at the wheel. Unbeknownst to Aileen, Earlier that day, Charles had mentioned to Mary Ann John that he had a strong desire to kill someone and he wanted to see if he could get away with it. And the person he wanted to kill was the sweet 15-year-old sophomore, Aileen.
1: Oh my word.
0: As they are driving through the desert, it is dry and quiet. All you can hear are the sounds of the desert night and a few packs of coyotes out in the distance. They get to a point as they are driving and stop and each of them get out of the car and head to a wash to hang out and talk. Anton, I know you and I have only been to Arizona a handful of times, but do you know what a desert wash is?
1: I don't. I can only assume it's... I I don't even know what to assume it would be. You
0: don't have an assumption of what a desert wash would be? Well, I guarantee it is not an empty bathtub out in the desert. So, I looked up a a precise definition so we could really learn what this is. A desert wash is an area where water once flowed or flows during high rainfall seasons. They're easily distinguishable by their deep sand, sparse vegetation, sometimes larger vegetation like smoke trees or mesquite, and then low-lying ground vegetation. So ultimately, what you can picture is it is a dried-out creek or river with vegetation around it. And so this is where the group was hanging out. Was that a dry desert wash? Interesting
1: place to hang out, if you ask me. Yeah.
0: Sources vary on what happened next, but ultimately Mary ends up back in the car, fully aware of what was about to happen to Aileen. While they are in the desert wash, Charles forces Aileen to undress. He sexually assaults her. And then once she is redressed, Charles and John begin to bludgeon her to death with a rock.
1: Oh my word. So two people.
0: Yeah. After about 10 minutes had passed, Charles returns to the car where Mary is at and says, it is done. And Mary claims that when he comes back, he is breathing heavily. He seems excited. And then he passionately kisses her. They had a shovel already in the back of the car ready because they all knew what was going to happen that evening. He grabs the shovel and then the three of them together took Aileen's body and buried it in a shallow grave in the desert.
1: Wow, that's so sad. Like, why Why? her is the question. I know.
0: And she was, yeah. It's honestly the question for every victim that yeah. is affected by, you know, these horrific crimes. It's
1: interesting that it's just like, he woke up one day and was like, I'm going to kill this boy, yeah. 15-year-old.
0: I know. The trio knew each what had happened and had literally treated Aileen like she was a cow going to the slaughter, and it is disgusting and really sad. After the murder, Mary and John obviously didn't tell anyone. They were not proud of what had happened, but Charles, on the other hand, could not help but tell his friends about what he had done. It is so sickening, but he was proud of every aspect of what he had accomplished, and the secret between everyone stayed that way for a very long time, so all of these friends told no one. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's crazy to think.
0: So I don't want to spend a lot of time detailing Charles's life, but I will give you a picture of what he was like. Charles was adopted one day after he was born and was adopted to Charles and Catherine Schmid. The marriage was shaky and it ended in divorce when Charles was only four years old. As years passed, Charles tried to reconnect with his birth mother, but she wanted nothing to do with him and essentially slammed the door on him in high school charles was athletic and participated in gymnastics and ended up leading his team to a championship one year but by his senior year he quit shortly into his senior year he was charged with theft at the high school he attended and was suspended and ended up never returning to school after this suspension he wound up moving into a small home or what like i would consider a mother-in-law's house or she shed on the property of his adoptive mother's property And she paid him an allowance of $300 since he had no high school diploma, he had no job, and he had absolutely no motivation to really do anything. Wow. Charles stood only five foot three inches. So, you know, I'm. Oh,
1: so he's a short king.
0: Yeah. And so I'm five foot four and three quarters of the way to five foot five. But obviously, for a man, a lot of masculinity, you know. Is tied to your height, and so he did not feel like his short stature benefited him in any way. So he would compensate for his shortness by shoving paper rags or crumpled cans into his cowboy boots, and then he would go and brag on and say that his limp, that was caused by these, you know, compensa- compensatory um, items that he put into his boots, by saying that he had gotten into like a gang fight to be able to appear more masculine to people. He also dyed his hair black, he wore makeup every day, and then he drew a dime-sized mole on his cheek as well. He wanted to look like his idol, Elvis Presley.
1: Mm, Okay, starting to make sense a little bit here. Yeah.
0: So here, Anton, let me show you a photo of what he looked like. Tell me, what do you think?
1: I mean, honestly, he's not that bad of a looking guy, besides the mole. To, like, worldly standards, yeah. Besides the huge mole he drew on his face, it's the only kind of thing that really stands out, but he's yeah. not a bad looking guy, really.
0: To you listeners, I will be posting this photo on our social media account so you can see what Anton and I are looking at. But in reality, the mole is just a very like significant visual on his face. And because of these external alterations that Charles made to himself, he felt dominant. He felt attractive. He was confident in his ability to really woo the ladies. The community of teens also thought he was cool. And really looked at him as a hero of sorts in the town. Because he was different. He was theatrical. He was interesting. And obviously to a bunch of teenagers, he was not boring. And that's all that matters yeah. at that age. Now that I'm
1: looking at the picture a little okay. bit more. He almost looks like a greaser from, uh, I don't remember what the book's called. But I remember watching the movie for it. And it looks almost exactly similar. Minus the mole. But everything else looks very the same.
0: I also feel like he could go and dance in a scene of grease yeah. as well. Yeah. It's just like the vibe he's giving off. So, on the day of Aileen's horrific murder, Charles would at, was at his peak and was ready to test his ability to get away with murder, and he was going to drag his friends into it. After the murder, Aileen's mother, Norma, had filed a missing persons report, and they had ultimately chalked it up to a runaway teen case. I guess during that time, runaway teens were a huge thing. Obviously, yeah. it's the 60s. It it was. It was
1: probably, I wouldn't say popular, but probably a it little more common, common than mm-hmm. what you would see now.
0: Yeah. Norma was a single mom and had gut instincts and felt that some of Aileen's friends must know something or must have had something to do with it. With much persistence, they actually brought Charles in for questioning, but he is quickly released and they continue to tell her it is ultimately a runaway case. No matter how much marketing she did for her daughter's case or how much pressure she gave to police, the case quickly went cold. And before she knew it, days had passed, And months had passed and then it was over a year and there was still no progress on to where Aileen was no answers from the police and absolutely no progress on the case
1: by that time you'd think if she was a runaway unless she's really good I wouldn't know a 15 year old girl who is good at disappearing like that Uh, you would assume someone probably would have found her yeah
0: but obviously up to this point Her mother knows her best. She knows she's studious. She knows she's serious about her grades. And so she's not just going to run away when she had a project the following morning at school. Charles, during this time, didn't seem to stop with his player charades. He continued to prey on girls and show off his fake masculinity around town. One of the many people that Charles disclosed his proud murder to was his friend, Richie Bruns. Charles had taken Richie up to the exact shallow grave where she was and explained in detail what had happened that evening. Like many of the other people, Richie kept this dark secret to himself. However, a little over a year later, it would not be the same case. It is now in the dead of summer in Tucson. It is August 16th, 1965. And Charles is out with one of his new ladies, who in different sources was either a long-term fling or another girlfriend at the time. Nonetheless, her name is Gretchen and she is 17 years old. Gretchen was up in the social ladder in Tucson because her dad was a very well-known surgeon in the area. According to sources, it is said that Gretchen was a troublemaker and had run-ins with the juvenile authorities when she took part in an attempted theft from a liquor liquor store. At the time, she was at a private school and after this theft attempt, the headmaster of the school did dismiss her from attending there. Gretchen and Charles had a very toxic relationship. Remember at this time, Charles is pushing 22 years old and she's only 17.
1: Oh wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: It is known that they had constant jealousy and distrust in one another's lives and argued frequently. It is also said that Charles both hated her and adored her, wanted her gone, but also tried to impress her. So like I said,
1: love, hate sounding like. Yeah, very
0: toxic. On the evening of August 16th, Gretchen and her 13 year old sister, Wendy, left their house to head to a drive in movie in town. Obviously, nothing was out of the ordinary with going to a drive-in movie this evening. And this would have been a normal event for them to go to during the summer, especially. But this time was different because after this, after they left the home for the drive-in movie, neither sisters were ever seen again. Gretchen and Wendy's father automatically assumed that Charles had something to do with it because he knew of his daughter's relationship with him. And Charles also had a reputation around town. He quickly contacted the police who run it up to another couple of teenage runaways and dismiss it.
1: That's just so sad. Yeah,
0: I know. The father will not accept this. He knows that they are not teenage runaways and he ends up hiring a personal investigator on to like investigate on his own side. That's
1: good. Yeah, because if the police aren't gonna do it, might as well yeah. figure out someone who will.
0: Yeah. And he's a surgeon, so he has more financial funds, but yeah. you know, other people may not be able to have that luxury of being able to pay for a PI themselves. Shortly after they went missing, the PI was able to locate Gretchen's car, but it provides no useful help. There's no evidence, DNA, nothing to tie them to helping find the sisters. It is now a week after Gretchen and Wendy went missing under suspicious circumstances, and Richie Bruns and Charles are hanging out together at Charles's place, his little she-shed. Richie claims that Charles brought up the disappearance of the Fritz sisters, that's their last name, and suddenly admits that he actually killed them right here in the living room. It is said that he was breaking up with Gretchen for good and that she turned on him and said she would go to the police about the murder of Aileen, and he freaked out, strangled both of them, and then took them out to the desert and disposed of their bodies separately.
1: Wow. Totally Charles, different MO, too. Totally different. Like going from bashing with the rock to strangling. strangulation.
0: Yeah. Charles was, again, proud of these killings and showed Bruns where they were. At this point, Bruns knew he had to say something because he was obviously scared for himself. Oh, yeah. But he was also scared that Charles may kill his own girlfriend or even someone else close to him. I mean, Charles has a lot on his shoulders now. I mean, not Charles. Uh, Richie has a lot on his shoulders that he's caring for Charles. Yeah. So it, it's a lot. As weeks passed, Richie ended up in Ohio with family and told them of the stories and things he had seen at the hand of his friend Charles and was encouraged to contact the police in Tucson as soon as possible. When Richie releases all of these secrets he had held for so many months, the police were able to begin the search and investigation immediately. Things moved very quickly because of the details Richie was able to provide them. They put his girlfriend into protective custody because of his fears that Charles would hurt her. Richie was also able to lead them to the bodies in the desert. Shortly after, all three were arrested. Mary French, John Sanders, and Charles Schmid were all arrested. Mary and John confessed immediately to their parts in the murder of Aileen Rowe. Mary was later sentenced to five years of prison because she had a lesser part of the murder.
1: Yeah, she didn't do... She didn't do it. She was still an accomplice, but she didn't actually do the murder Yeah, what it yeah.
0: like. Yeah. yeah, and so that's why it was a minimal sentence. But again, she was the one who assisted in bringing the cow to the slaughter, which yeah. is really, it's a huge part of it. Yes, it is. And then John was sentenced to life due to the larger part he played in the murder. Obviously, he, well, helped, he
1: helped kill, kill her. her. Yeah. The first girl.
0: Hmm. Charles's case grew in popularity and interest in the tabloids, and he was soon dubbed the Pied Piper of Tucson. Charles was facing the death penalty for the double homicide of Gretchen and Wendy. Because of the evidence and the amount of witness testimony at the hearing, the jury found Charles Schmid guilty on all counts, and for the murder of Aileen, he was sentenced to 50 years to life, and for the murders of Gretchen and Wendy, he was sentenced to death. As time passed and Charles was on death row, the Arizona Supreme Court ended up abolishing the death penalty, and Charles was instead sentenced to life in prison in place of the death sentence. During his years in prison, Charles tried numerous times to escape, And he finally was successful. And it is claimed that he fled to a farm, took four hostages before being detained again and put back into prison.
1: Wow, that's crazy. I wonder what kind of prison. I mean, I know back then it might be a little different from prisons now. Yeah. uh, At least security wise. So I'm kind of wondering what kind of prison he might have been in.
0: It was, it did vary on different sources. Some people said that he like had a prison break on his own. Other people said that he actually went with another like, yeah, uh, felon. Help. Yeah, that there was an accomplice with him and they both got out. Oh, wow. Um, but obviously the sources vary and this was, you know, quite a few decades ago. So shortly after his prison break and being detained and brought back, he actually was stabbed repeatedly by fellow inmates and died just days after the attack. He was allegedly 32 years old at this time and had served in prison for less than 10 years before his, his murder in jail.
1: Wow, so he ended up...
0: Yeah, you know, being killed.
1: Being killed as well. That's
0: yeah,
1: a taste of his own medicine, really, I guess. Yeah.
0: I would like to take a moment to recognize and share some things about the three victims that we do know. 15-year-old Aileen Roe was ambitious, ambitious and passionate about school. She was a sophomore at Palo Verde High School and had her whole life ahead of her. Her mom and her were close and hung out together often. It is said that one of her favorite things to do was walk the desert and find unusual and beautiful rocks. She wanted to go into oceanography. She had only lived in Tucson for a short time. It was said that they lived there for only less than a year, but she was very fond of the area and the desert. It's
1: beautiful there. Yeah. So I understand why.
0: Yeah. 17-year-old Gretchen was passionate and determined in life. Although she caused some trouble at times and her and Charles had a toxic relationship, she was a victim and died for no reason at all. Her 13-year-old sister, Wendy, was known to be lively and outgoing and was also known to light up any room she entered. I want to recognize these three because they were so young. They were each minors and they were taken too soon and lost their lives to a ruthless and manipulative man.
1: For no reason. For no reason.
0: All. Yeah. And that concludes the crimes of the Pied Piper of Tucson, Charles Schmidt. So tell me, Anton, what, what do you think as we, we sum up?
1: Sad, yeah, like you said, like it's important to keep these three in memory and keep talking about them for these kinds of situations. They can still happen, they still probably happen to this day. And it's super sad that we have to be on the lookout for things like this, but it's yeah. how life goes. And this is just another kind of crazy guy who did terrible things for no reason at all,
0: yeah. And I, I actually have a couple things. So um, at one point in the investigation stuff, it was, you know, rumored that there was tons of people who knew. It ended up being released that there was over 30 people who knew about these murders and said nothing. What what do you think about that? Like, I can't even imagine having that weight of knowing something like that.
1: Yeah, no, me neither. I For me personally, I would be like, like, why are you doing this? And then, yeah. of course, go to the police. Again, I mean, they might have thought differently where, you know, he might end up killing me too if I say anything. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. But 30 people, there's... Possibly more. Possibly more. There has to be at least one of them who should have stepped up sooner. Yeah. Rather than waiting, what, one, two, three years later?
0: Yeah. And then the other thing that I was thinking of, I was like, why the Pied Piper? Like, when I think of the Pied Piper, I think of like a pizza guy with, like, playing a pipe. I don't know. It's, I don't know why that's, like, what comes to mind when I think of the Pied Piper, but that's not the case. What do you think is the reason the tabloids gave him the nickname Pied Piper of Tucson?
1: I I honestly don't know, because when I think of it, I almost think of, like, uh, almost like a flute player. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of, like, from Shrek.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, That's a better. That's what
1: I think of, because I used to play the Shrek video game, and they had a Pied Piper. Yeah, yeah. And he played the flute, but... So, I couldn't tell you why they would name him the Pied Piper. So, I looked it
0: up, and so he got this tabloid nickname, the Pied Piper of Tucson, because he was very charismatic and was friends with a lot of the teen community in Tucson. So, that is the reason behind his nickname. Yeah. Yeah. So this may only be our third episode of Couple of Criminals, but we want to thank each of you personally for listening to our podcast and really supporting us. We are so very grateful for the couple hundred of you who have listened to our two episodes so far. Please download, like, share, and subscribe, as well as follow to any of our social media accounts. We can't wait for you guys each to be back here next week where Anton will be sharing a crime from good old Arkansas. This is your Couple of Criminals
1: signing off.